I think probably the notion that there is somebody that would um, stand in front of you to protect you, I think that's, that's never going to fall in fashion. I think that women want that. I think men want, we want that level of security. Who cares for us? Who, who loves us? Who would stand in front of us? One guy. One gal. One actor. And one year. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Kevin Costner, Costner Project. Project. Happy Valentine's Day! Happy Valentine's, Kate. Oh, what a nice weekend we're having. Mm. Beautiful dinner. And, and Kevin Costner to boot. Yeah. We watched The Bodyguard as part of our Valentine's festivities. Yes. So today is the 11th, three days before Valentine's Day. I had to think about it. <laughs> but we actually celebrated last night because our exchange student was not home. We had the house to ourselves. And it was partially a uh, celebrating the first date anniversary, which we didn't get a chance to celebrate. Exactly. So that was last Sunday, the 4th. And yeah, we have a lot of romance to be celebrating in February. And it was nice to have the house to ourselves and enjoy a nice candlelight dinner and watch a movie. Exactly. Although we watch plenty of movies. That's not that special at this point. But, but it's a Kevin Costner movie. It's a movie. Kevin Costner movie. And the stars aligned. Thank you all for your patience while we were away. The stars aligned to show us the bodyguard for Valentine's Day. Yeah, we we had that the stretch of dealing with family stuff. And, and uh, we appreciate everybody's patience with us getting back to... And we're back yes. now. Yeah. We're ready to cook. So, we watched The Bodyguard. Correct. And it is from 1992. It is rated R, but it also is considered a romance. How do you feel about it being rated R? Uh, well, <laughs> if this was produced today, it would not be rated R. At best, PG-13. Yeah. There's hardly any swearing. I think there's one vague sex scene, but it's really like they just wake up in bed together. I don't right. think we see them pretend to have sex at all. There's a bit of gunfire, but nothing. And the guns they were using in 1992 look like pea shooters compared to what people are using today. So, yeah, I think things would be a little different. It runs for about two hours and ten minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 38. Ouch. I wonder what we're going to give it. Yeah. I, we have literally not talked about this since we watched it. We have not mentioned it. I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. And uh, for some reason, I'm not finding anything from IMDb rating. So let's try opening the IMDb website real fast and see if it comes up with a rating. Maybe nobody could be bothered on IMDb to rate it. Okay, so uh, 38% Rotten Tomatoes. And really, apart from Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner, it's not really that big. Of Star Studded. There are a few names, and Bill Cobbs pops up in a number of movies, but he's more of a bit guy. He's not a big name. And then Mike Starr. 
Mike Starr, I know from the early 2000s, if you ever watched a TV show called Ed, which was on, I think, NBC, and Mike Starr was one of the supporting characters on that, and I was so excited to watch him in this, and he kind of was not that nice of a human being. I mean, he was one of Rachel slash Whitney's many bodyguards, um, but he he played a different guy than I was used to. Robert Wall was in this, so uh, he was in, I think, Bull Durham. So they had a bit of a reunion. He was the Oscar host Correct. in The Bodyguard. But other than that, really, um, and I wouldn't expect many people know Mike Starr, so I don't think there were that many famous people or even faces that I recognized in The Bodyguard. This guy, Ralph Waite? Mm-hmm. I think I've seen him in something else, too, but I'm trying to think where. Oh, yes. Yes, that's where I recognized him from, from NCIS. He plays uh, Jethro Gibbs' father. All right, moving on. Boy, it's been a while. I don't even remember what we exactly do with this podcast. Yeah. Let's see. We cover all the initial things. Yep, we did. So Kevin plays Frank Farmer, who is an ex-Secret Service agent. Correct. And Whitney plays Rachel Marin, who is a diva pop star slash actress, who is under attack by threats unknown, and Kevin comes to bodyguard her. Now, I want to tell an hilarious story from my work about all of this that somewhat relates. So, as you can imagine, working in a prison, we have a variety of colorful individuals who are residents there more permanently, shall we say. You know, in prison, you can't get the niceties you can get at home. So one of the things that I don't think they're allowed to have is makeup. We have a lady that refuses to be unmade up, but she's also not fully with it, shall we say. And so she will use whatever she can get her hands on to make herself look beautiful. So she always comes in with bright blue eyeshadow. And the bright blue eyeshadow, as it turns out, is made out of toothpaste. She puts toothpaste on her eyes, which I can't imagine feels good. Very unique. Yeah. And it's like that bluish green, you know, crest colored <laughs> eyeshadow. So she really went to town one day, and Mr. B is a CO where I work, and he took one look at her and said, Oh my goodness, Ms. So and so, you look like Whitney Houston in the bodyguard. And she just lit up like a Christmas tree and she was kind of strutting around but because of her issues she's under constant guard like she's part of a group that is under constant guard so he looked at the CO that was responsible for them that day and said that must make you Frank Farmer and they all went nuts and now they call that CO Frank Farmer <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, prison related bodyguard story I think it's cute farmer. Anyway, I don't have a heck of a lot to say about the bodyguard, I don't think. Really? I Did you see this when it came out? No. 
I believe I did see it. If not in the theaters, I certainly saw it on VHS. And I know I had the soundtrack. Oh. Because I knew most of the songs and I was kind of singing along a little bit last night. Understood. So I know I had that. I didn't remember it at all, although I don't think it takes a genius to figure out the plot of the movie. I think we kind of knew going into it that she was like in danger and it was going to be his job to protect her and at some point there would probably be a shootout and somebody was going to get hurt. Right. What we didn't really know was who was behind the... Did you figure it out before it was revealed? I had a sneaky suspicion of who it was. What I didn't realize was the sister of the Whitney Houston character was behind part of it. I think that was probably a major plot twist that she was like jealous of her sister and decided to be involved and she got what was coming to her too. Right, the the actual uh, killer uh, already, but it's the, it's been thirty years. Right, the guy that was hired accidentally actually kills the sister when supposedly they're at a safe house. By the right. way, right, there is a red herring of a kind of stalkerish fan, but he's not the type that would actually have hurt her. That's about it. That's the plot. Yeah. So I guess we'll just hit our five questions. Did we finish it? Yes, we did. I don't think we even really... We took a break for dessert. Or yeah. we had dessert while we watched it. Right. But I think we watched it straight through. Basically. Okay. Um, Kevin's part in the overall film. We've explained the plot. Kevin was Frank Farmer. He was... I don't know. He was kind of a straight-edged ex-secret service guy. Tried to not into his feelings all that much but got into his feelings with uh that's yeah but only briefly and then they parted ways again yes here's a little clip i'm gonna insert about how kevin felt about filming with whitney houston during this we had this little songbird whitney who had this big voice that came out of her and it was her first movie you know, she was so beautiful, and I thought, well, this is right, this is the girl for me. You know, not everyone thought that, it turned out, but I did. And when we were done, it was a really important moment in her life and her career, and, and we'll always be locked together that way. And I actually didn't realize the power of that movie with Whitney and I, so kissed her once for everybody in America, and I kissed her once really good for me, too. So I guess we should mention very quickly that was an interview about two years ago for the 30th anniversary of the bodyguard and it took place on the today show so that's and also the clip that we started the show with was part of that same interview so he obviously was a little bit smitten in real life with whitney what did you think about their on-screen chemistry i think that they they could have played that up a little bit more uh, in the in the movie. I felt like it was definitely it was something there, but it, I don't know. I guess because he was such a quote unquote sort of straight arrow in the movie that I guess maybe they didn't play it up as much because of that. 
I think also she was supposed to be kind of a diva and she came off to me as a little bit more of a bitch than, you know, with diva behavior, it's like I need my M&Ms all the same color or something. Right. But she just like was yelling at everybody and she was just like not going to be told what to do, which I guess is diva behavior. But like, I didn't find her appealing. Well, she finally gives in at some point there and because they finally tell her the extent of the danger she's right, in they've right. been kind of hiding it from her right for a while um but then they realize like we got to tell her this guy was in your bedroom this guy seems to know where we are at all times right so i don't know i thought they had decent chemistry together i don't think we got to see it very well i didn't necessarily feel their relationship was believable i suppose you're right but i think they could have potentially had a good relationship as people not employer employee yeah and as we had discovered that kevin sort of wishes he had been able to save Whitney in real life, not yeah. not just on, on the movie screen. Yeah, so we had found, I think it's a print interview. I was Googling to see his reaction to her death. And one of the things that he said, he released a statement regarding the death of his friend Whitney Houston. And he said, quote, I let her down. I should have been there and I wasn't. And now for the rest of my life, I will have to live with that pain. I saved her then. I should have saved her now. She was my one true love. I still have. I will always love you as my ringtone and count it a badge of honor every time I get mocked for it. So I think he was profoundly impacted. I, I mean, he was married at this time, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're correct. And he was obviously profoundly impacted by meeting her. And I know it's been a long time. I can't recall when she died exactly. Let me look that up. Um, but there aren't words to explain. Yeah, she died in 2012. So 12 years ago. 12 years ago today. February 11th. Oh, my. Holy oh. Christmas. <laughs> well. Wow. Well, rest in peace, Whitney, on yes. your anniversary of your death. God bless. Yeah. And I, I'm. I'm sort of shocked that we are doing this podcast. Me too. At, on, an, on her anniversary. I, okay, I hadn't realized that. My heart's skipping a beat a little bit. Wow. There aren't words to say what a mega star she was. Yes. Especially in the 80s and 90s. I had the record of I Want to Dance with Somebody and her self-titled album um, when it came out. And I remember dancing with my mom and my sister and singing and going bananas you know she made way I guess for Celine Dion who made way for Taylor Swift so like she was that level diva you know yeah. songbird exactly. there just aren't words to say how famous and special she was and her voice was so beautiful and she was so beautiful right I mean growing up I didn't really listen to Whitney's uh, music very much, but I did know of her and like of her music as as 
I got older and everything, so I knew how impactful she was. Yeah. She's just somebody that you know, even if you don't yes. know the music or yeah. whatever. You know the name Whitney Houston. Her life, I think, was a, a tragedy, unfortunately, with the drugs and everything. I I can't believe she died 12 years ago today and we're recording this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is wild. That just sort of puts things in new perspective a, yeah. a little bit. I mean... And even sadder, she she had one child, her daughter, and her daughter died a few years after she did. So really just a a sad waste of a beautiful, talented life. Um, But at least, I mean, we have things like the bodyguard to remember her by, and, and I imagine there's plenty of videos of her doing her performances and stuff for an actual... And her voice will live forever. Yes. For sure. We'll never not hear her. So that's Kevin's take on things. Apparently, kind of to me, when I listened to that interview that we added, it sort of sounded like, critically, this movie was a flop. And people didn't feel like they had good chemistry together. I thought they were okay together. The movie, I guess, was Whitney's first... I don't know if it was her only movie that she did, so part of it was maybe that. that It was certainly the most famous one she did, if it was. I mean, she she was great at performing out there, but maybe acting wasn't... Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. She wasn't meant to be an actress. Did the movie make you feel any kind of way, Greg? Well, I guess it made me feel like... I'd never really want to be in that situation or, or anything like that. I think partly because I guess it wasn't so much the drama that was going on, but it was the, I guess, the amount of people and the craziness. I guess, Kate, you probably feel the same way sometimes just about being around people for a lot and that you need your space sometimes i'm a very very high introvert and people exhaust me we talk about this sometimes not on the podcast obviously but um if i have more than two or three hours of social time i start to feel sick like i start to get a bad headache and i don't listen to music in the car i just don't like noise and I don't know when that started happening or why that is. I think it was probably after my first husband died. But I just find chatter exhausting. I find small talk exhausting. Right. And it's difficult for me to let people in. Right. And, it, I mean, this movie, I mean, there's crowds everywhere. everywhere. About, I'm glad I'm not famous. Let's right. put it that way. About the only time there wasn't crowds is when they went to that cabin in the in the movie and the cabin of questionable location right i thought it might be alaska you thought it might be colorado right somewhere mountainous right it looked like the sort of place kevin would be at home in however yes definitely i think for myself some of the feelings i had i really took a strong dislike to her personal assistant i really did not like that guy at all and that's probably what they were trying to go for, making that person 
I didn't think he was the killer per se, but I just thought he was such a little weasel. So he did his job well, I'm going to say that. Right. I expected when we started watching this that you would be swooning with the romance of it all. And I think I felt disappointed in the movie, truthfully. We actually paid to own the movie, and I'm not sure. Are we going to watch it again? I, I, I don't think that I'm going to. I, I don't, I'm not saying that it's not a good movie, but I think that I didn't see enough of like the real romance in there. It just did not. I wish they had played it up more, but it just... It didn't know what it wanted to be. Right. It didn't know if it was like this action thriller Frank Farmer saves Rachel Marin or Frank and Rachel are in love and he happens to be willing to sacrifice himself on her behalf. Exactly. So I personally do not think I will watch it again. About the only reason that I might watch it again is to try to figure out where if if I missed some more of the like the romance part of it that I guess I had the assumption from what you had told me originally that there was something in there, but it was minimal. I mean, you look at the poster and it's him carrying her when they're in the club and everybody is going after her and they're like ripping parts of her costume off and so forth. And he grabs her and he carries her out of the club. And then eventually i think after that she asks him out on a date and they spend an evening together they have a really nice conversation i think they grab some food or something they wind up at his house they supposedly although we don't see it you know they wake up in bed together and then he immediately breaks up with her and she's back to screaming at him for the next hour and a half or whatever (laughs) (laughs) until he flings himself in front of the would-be assassin's bullet correct and dramatically even though he got struck by the bullet he struggles up and shoots the the actual guy actual guy trying to kill whitney I guess I don't have a heck of a lot more to say. I was disappointed by it. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it. I wanted to be all swoony and... I don't know. I'd rather watch JFK again, truthfully. Three hours of conspiracy versus two hours of would-be romance. Yeah, I mean, even though it might not have been the greatest movie, I think that... Again, Kevin did a great job at doing what he was supposed to do for the movie. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem with the movie may have been that the plot maybe could have been played up certain things a little bit more, maybe left a few things out that just didn't really help. Right now, I can't think of exact moments, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the way I feel. Here's a question. We've talked about some of his other movies and the imagery of white saviorism where, you know, a person of color or people of color need this white man to come in and save them. Do you think this was an example of white saviorism? I don't know. Um... Frankly, I think Whitney could have caught a bullet in her teeth. She was such a 
She was not a shrinking violet. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, obviously, you can't save yourself from a bullet if you're going to get shot. But, I mean, he saved her, but it's not like he transformed her life in ways that she wouldn't have been transformed otherwise. So I think she wasn't a damsel in distress. Yeah. Uh, And, I mean,. As far as a plot goes, it didn't... I guess I expect it more. Especially if they're going to call it a romance. Yeah, it wasn't a romance. No. No, there was nothing really romantic about it, in my opinion. So, I don't think also it was an example of white saviorism, per se, because she didn't need saving except in the most practical terms. And he did not change her in any appreciable way. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think it's time to rate this bad boy. It's going to be a very short episode, but we really don't have a lot to say about it. So, Greg, what do you want to rate this? Uh, Well, it's definitely not tops in the Kevin Costner movies. Um, Agree. I... Was it a bad... Did we hit on a bad movie? Or is it a good movie? Or is it an okay movie? I'm going to go ahead and say that it's an okay movie. And that in our rating system of 1 through 10, I would give it a a 5, maybe a 6. In my view, just, just because of the failures of it of what it it didn't accomplish i mean if you're gonna call it a romance have a true romance this was not a romance yeah and therefore it knocked it down a few pegs just because of that if they had called it a suspense would you have given it a higher rating or an maybe action or something like that yeah that that might have changed my thinking but but i think they sold it as a romance i imagine that when it was coming out they were both at the top of their game they're both young and beautiful and i think they they sold it as a romance um i mean maybe that's part of what hasn't transferred over time i mean this came out in 92 so maybe because we're not thinking about it in that way it it doesn't work anymore yeah yep so i've been teetering between a four and a five. Oh, okay so i think we're basically on track in the okay category right. i don't think it was a bad movie um there were you know parts of it that i think were actually pretty good but i don't think it has aged particularly well i just didn't love it all that much and i just don't think i would watch it again so with how we were both sort of saying our numbers are we going to maybe agree that it's the five you were saying four to five i was saying five to six basically it's five let's call it a five. five that sounds fair so, Greg, before we finish up this episode, yes, I did learn something interesting via Wikipedia. Okay. Apparently, there was a sequel to The Bodyguard Planned. All right. Uh, Do you think America needed a bodyguard, too? I don't know that it did, but 
maybe the sequel would have been better than the first one. I don't know. So they were going to cast another non-actress. So this was Whitney's first movie. She had never been in a movie before. Right. And apparently, and I think I had heard something about this at the time. I know that I at least thought somebody famous, they were considering a bodyguard too, was somebody famous. But it never happened, obviously. And guess who would have been in the bodyguard too? I I haven't got the foggiest idea who, who... It would have been none other than Princess Diana. Princess Diana? The Princess of Wales. Apparently, she and Kevin were friends at the time. And in the late 90s, he even sent her the script. And it arrived to her, this according to Wikipedia, the day before she died. Bruce. Is there a bodyguard curse? I, I don't know. And maybe that's why the they never actually made w- another one. Made another one. If they were gonna make it today, who do you think he should save? Oof. Taylor Swift hasn't made a movie that we know of, but I don't know <laughs> that. I think she's happy making music. I don't know that she wants to be in the movies. Right. Who else? Is there anyone else? I mean, you can't say anything. Like I said earlier, like there's no understating Whitney Houston's fame at this time. Right. And Princess Diana was like a plus 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 list. Right. Famous. Right. So I'm gonna go with Taylor Swift. Hmm. Wow. I'm trying to think who who would I think might be good that's sort of famous. And hasn't done... I, I guess it doesn't have to be a singer. Because Princess right. Diana certainly wasn't a singer. Right, right. Of course. Is uh, there a politician or an actress or maybe an author? I'm a librarian. Ooh. What What about um, Kamala Harris? Oh, there we go. The vice president. Now that could be interesting. And he was Secret Service in this movie. Right, right. Okay. Well, we have a few tips for you, Kevin. (laughs) But if we were going to ask you, I think I would ask you who you might choose today. Yeah. And is there a curse? Yeah. Is is that why you didn't uh, actually go ahead with uh, Bodyguard 2? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. It's yep. a little shorter than our usual episodes, but I think we covered our bases pretty well. Absolutely. So what are we watching next week? It's a little movie with Clint Eastwood. A perfect, the perfect world? world. Yes. I'm very excited about this. November 25th of just last year, 2023, apparently marked 30 years since A Perfect World came out. And... Kevin has some still pictures of himself and Mr. Eastwood on his Instagram and probably also on his Facebook, although I don't follow his Facebook page other than to follow it with our Facebook page for the project. So check those out. He had some nice things to say about being directed by Clint Eastwood. There you go, folks. All right. So we'll see you next week. Hope everyone has a wonderful and romantic Valentine's Day. Absolutely. And see you in a week. So long, folks. Bye. Bye. 
The Kevin Costner Project is produced by October 10 Productions. Our theme music is Happy Acoustic Guitar Background Music by Music Unlimited via Pixabay.com. Audio clips included under fair use policies in our best accordance with U.S. copyright law. You can find us online at thekevincostnerproject.com or by searching Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, or TikTok for The Kevin Costner Project. This podcast is not endorsed by Kevin Costner or his agents yet. <laughs>